0: Hello and welcome to MacBites episode 30. I'm Elaine Giles. and I'm here with my co-host, Mike Thomas. Um, we're finally taking a break from installing Snow Leopard. at uh, Nine installations between us so far and counting. So uh, more about that later. But before that, uh, lots of other things this week. Yeah, a few weeks ago, I mentioned a problem with Calibrate, which
1: is an app that allows you to batch process iCal events. I hit a problem when I tried to move events from one calendar to another. Uh, What it actually did is it copied the events rather than moving them. Well, this morning I received a copy of the latest beta and following some uh, exhaustive testing, I'm pleased to say that the bug has been fixed. And Lauren, who owns wooden brain, the company behind Calibrate, has also been working hard getting Calibrate to be Snow Leopard compatible because apparently there are some scripting bugs in iCal 4, which is the Snow Leopard version.
0: Great to hear. I uh, use Calibrate all the time. And um, even though I don't use iCal because I'm using BusyCal, um, Calibrate still works because it uses the same data. I also noticed when I was setting up uh, time zones um, that iCal now says United Kingdom, not Europe. I think it said Europe, London, Uh, but BusyCal still says Europe, London. So uh, I'm not at a a complete loss yet. And um, I also noticed in iCal, I did mention last week that it has um, an in- No, no, no. An
1: inspector. I thought we were going to have the info panel theme uh, chant there.
0: Ah, no, you see, you've said it now. You've said it now. now. That's not fair. You have. No, no, apparently it's it's called an inspector. Inspector, inspector, inspector. (laughs) It just doesn't have the same ring, does it? Anyway, anyway, anyway. I said um, that I'd managed to have multiple of these inspectors. Um, But what I actually wanted was to have one of them and have it synchronised to the event that I'd selected. And it didn't do that. Um, Well, it can do that. There's a trick to it. Um, Instead of double clicking the event to open it up in the inspector. (laughs) It's really going to set me off this. You go to the menu and you choose edit show inspector and that single inspector will now stay in sync with each event as you click from event to event but you can also have other inspectors open at the same time if you want to so still double clicking on an event will open it into its own inspector and that's where you so covered
1: on. up the screen wasn't it with multiple inspectors no when I did it they were info
0: panels anyway carry on
1: I noticed this week saying that uh, I had two help menus in ICal.
0: You were clearly just jealous because I had 27 info <laughs> panels.
1: Yeah, no idea why. Um, although a Google search actually revealed that I'm not the only one. Uh, although the issues that I found on the, these forums actually dated back to 2005, which is uh, when I was still a Windows user. And you said to me that it could be caused by BusyCal. So I installed BusyCal on the laptop because I didn't have it on there. And I ran iCal. And yes, I had two help menus in iCal. I then went back to the iMac, shut both apps down, ran BusyCal followed by iCal and there were no duplicates. So I closed both apps down and I ran iCal and then BusyCal, I did it the other way around, and still no duplicates. Because what I wanted to do was take a screenshot to send it to the BusyCal guys, but I couldn't.
0: No, I tried that too. Uh, I had exactly the same as you, two help menus. Um, But once I shut them down and started them up again in any order, um, it was absolutely fine. So you couldn't break it either, which is
1: unusual for you, isn't it? Because you did break Busy Cal this morning.
0: Yes, but I was goaded. It was your fault. Um, Yes, what I did was very, very simple. Um, I was using a command, which is go to date, which is exactly the same as in iCal. Um, The shortcut I use is command and T. That goes to today. What I wanted to do was um, look at an event from last year. So I used a slightly different shortcut, which is command and shift and T. And that shows you a dialog box and you type the date in, you press enter and it takes you straight to the date. Good couple of shortcuts there. I didn't know those. I use those all, all the time. Um, And what I found was, uh, yes, it brought up a dialog box. And I know I've done this before in BusyCal. And instead of seeing a correct date, what I was seeing was uh, the day was okay, The month was okay, But the the year, instead of having four numbers, had eight. So it started with four zeros, followed by 2009. So uh, I looked at that and I thought, that's never going to work. So I typed in a correct date. Um, And as soon as I pressed enter, just for a fraction of a second, you could see in the dialog box that these leading zeros were put back in. Um, I've got a feeling they need to be there, but I don't think we need to see them. It kind of sounds like the, um, uh,
1: the year 2K bug in reverse, doesn't it? where there's too many rather than not enough.
0: I think it needs to be there. I can imagine this from a programming perspective, but I know in the previous beaters that it it certainly wasn't showing these four characters. So um, as soon as you'd entered one bug report, uh, I had you do another one, didn't I? Yes. uh, I wonder if they're getting Sunday off. No, of course not. Too too close to release, I think. Anyway, um. talking of support, another support ticket uh, I mentioned last week uh, that I'd heard from one password, saying that they were too tired to fix my purchasing problem that the store was broken. Um, yeah, I broke the store if you remember. Well, I heard back again this week uh, with an apology for the time it had taken. They were um snowed under apparently. Oh,
1: ha ha ha!
0: Get it, get it. Uh, yeah, so. I get it. Anyway, uh, thanks to the folks at 1Password, and uh, I hope things calm down a bit for you now the initial rush is over.
1: Yeah, last week we also mentioned a strange message that appeared when we both installed uh, Snow Leopard on our laptops. We we did it in store, in the Apple Store. Uh, it asked us for the location of the System Events app, and that message even had the guys at the Apple Store scratching their heads. They could tell us where it was. But they didn't know what it was all about. But thanks to one of our listeners, Stargate John, uh, he let us know that the message is something to do with iStat menu.
0: Which is strange, as um, neither of us thought we had it installed. I'm pretty confident I didn't. Well, I
1: definitely but haven't. But then
0: maybe I hadn't installed, um, reinstalled the operating system since Leopard came out. So maybe I did. Maybe I was trying something, but I certainly don't remember it. So I, I'm claiming ignorance on that one. Um, I can't be doing personally with these applications where they take up system power to tell you what system power you've got. Seems a bit odd to me, but uh, I know that that one is really popular. And um, this week, when uh, the snow leopard version came out, people were jumping for joy. So, um, congratulations to everybody who's really thrilled to have that. But I literally never ever remember installing it. But um, I'm I'm assured that that's where it's from. So, how strange is that one? And that was so, so sarcastically, wasn't it? Yes. Congratulations.
1: Yeah. I know your feelings on iStat menu.
0: I can't be doing with it personally. Um, I did. Sh- no, I can't. I did try when I had um, my very first Mac, Um, I did install something. I'm not sure if it was that or a similar one, and it put a widget um, there. And um, every now and then you go and have a look at it. But, you know, I really didn't see the point. I could see the point if I had a problem, but um, I don't particularly want to sit there just looking at menus go up and down. But I'm beginning to think I'm in a minority with that one. Well,
1: I've got enough stuff on my menu bar. You know, I, I don't need another item
0: well i told you last week with my mini i had the the menu meeting in the middle so i definitely do not need any more <laughs> i did install it that on a machine um that i had a problem with and um, when you've got a problem it, it's pretty useful but well, at the end of the as day that's what it's
1: for it's a troubleshooting tool
0: i suppose you'd have to have a baseline to compare it with though so maybe people are constantly baselining you know we're going to get flame to hell for this yeah, don't I know. we well i'm willing to listen to anyone who's got anything to say about it but Personally, I just don't need anything else distracting me, I'm afraid.
1: Yeah, me neither.
0: No, I'm all for productivity. So, um,. What I've been looking at this week is text expander for the iPhone. Um, It got somewhat overshadowed last week by the Snow Leopard uh, release. And I, for one, certainly had had no time to try it. But I rectified that this week. Yeah, I haven't tried it, but I've
1: heard a few people talk about it. And to be honest, I can't see the point of it as the iPhone actually isn't multitasking. So I don't understand how you could run text expander and run whatever app you wanted to, to put your text into.
0: Well, that was my first thought, too. But, you know, I was thinking, what's the point? But the actual implementation is nicely done and it does work well. And now I want Typeinator for the iPhone to sync my real snippets. But that's a different story entirely. Uh, no, it doesn't work the way that you're thinking it works. Um the way it works, it synchronises with your desktop version. So if you've got groups of snippets on your desktop, then you can synchronise those to your iPhone. And it creates... You know, people I'm sure people are aware of how this work, but you have codes that expand to whole blocks of text um, or even short documents, really. Now, you're thinking of it for autocorrects, I presume. Yeah, exactly. For typos and things. And no, it doesn't work in that way. What it gives you is an editor or a composer window and it acts as a sort of scratch pad. So you can use that to create longer messages for texts or emails or even, like I say, short documents. Uh the thing is it, it then lives in that composer window. So of course you need to get your text out of Text Expander. And you can do that in one of three ways. Uh, you can choose to send the text directly to the mail application where it creates a new mail for you and you're ready to address it. You can choose to send it to a Twitter client. Now it supports three Twitter clients: there's Tweety, TwitterLater, and Twitterific. Um, now I've got more than that installed but those are the only supported ones so the others just didn't appear at all. Or the third way is you can copy um, the whole of the block of text and then go to any application you choose and paste it in there. So. For, for emails, if if you're sending an email to a client, maybe, um, and you've got lots of standard paragraphs of text, I can see that working pretty well. Um, and it's very, very inexpensive as well. It's $1.99 or £1.99, uh, only until the 9th of the 9th of the 9th. So I don't know what the price is going up to after that. But um, I thought it, it wasn't bad at all. And it's just one of those things that... If you don't have it, you probably wouldn't miss it. But once you've got it there, you might actually find a use for it. Real practical use when you're on the road. Yeah, I can see
1: um, I can see how that would work now. It uh, it's something I might give a go at Um, like lots of other things that you've mentioned. I don't always grasp it first time. But when you when you actually give me an example, I can I can usually see how that would work.
0: I should go into sales, really, shouldn't I? Definitely. Specialising in software applications. Well,
1: talking about uh, iPhones and and app stores and things like that, uh, Microsoft on Tuesday announced that iPhones running the latest version of Windows Mobile, version 6.5, will actually debut globally on October the 6th. They released a press release and they said that carriers worldwide will be updating or expanding their portfolios to support Windows Mobile 6.5. And meanwhile, the long awaited Windows Marketplace for mobile. Uh, That's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? Mm. Microsoft's answer to the App Store will open for business at the same time. So uh, one of the things they said was that um, the marketplace will provide an easy return policy for customers to buy with confidence. Have
0: you got any apps you'd like
1: to return to Apple?
0: No, I don't think I have, actually. But I've got plenty of apps I'd like back that they've kicked out of the store, um, like NetShare, that original tethering application. Yeah, I remember that. And Delicious Library that sadly disappeared. Now, admittedly, that wasn't Apple. It was Amazon. But um, hopefully this competition between app stores might bring some sanity back to the approval process. Uh, Once they're competing, at the moment, Apple have got a complete monopoly. um, But once they're competing, obviously, if the Windows Mobile version is available, hopefully Apple will feel a little bit of pressure to have... um, Good competing products in the app store. So we're all good, I think.
1: Yeah, competition is good. Um, Competition might actually get O2 to pull the finger out as well. In another mm. unexplained outage uh, last weekend, it meant uh, I had to spend my time walking the dog, listening to podcasts. Nothing wrong with that. But uh, I do like to vary what I do. Uh, I had no email, no Twitter and most of all, no iFooty. And didn't your dad
0: think his iPhone was broken? He did, which would usually mean I was collared for support, but he was out at the time and uh, he thought the whole phone was broken. So he didn't bother trying to ring me to, to, to let me know. Of course, I did get chapter and verse all about it on his return, though.
1: Yeah, I was reading about this on the register earlier in the week and judging by the comments, there was a lot of unhappy O2 customers. However, there was actually one comment which I thought was brilliant. So uh, I'm going to read it out to you. Uh, I'm far too reliant on my iPhone. That's not me, but it could have been me. It could have been you. Uh, I took a trip up north to Ellesmere Port. My Google Maps with compass direction failed on the way there. I couldn't check my eBay watch or sell list. I couldn't see the latest news or keep up to date with my Facebook or Twitter does sound like me, doesn't
0: it? It does very much sound like me. I you. managed
1: to find him at Donald's and I thought I'd be able to use the O2 cloud, but no, that wasn't working either. However, every cloud has a silver lining. Oh, good one, good one. <laughs> I found that I couldn't check the football scores, so I called O2 customer services to moan about their data service and the friendly representative went on the internet, obviously their own internet was fine, and checked the Premier League scores and read them all out to me over the phone. Now that's what I call customer service.
0: That is absolutely <laughs> priceless. It actually reminds me of one I saw this week on the B Forum. Um, this has not been a good week for internet access at MacBytes HQ. Typically, you might know, coinciding with the annual holiday. Uh, but the B connection was virtually unusable. Uh, up and down like an analogy that would get us removed from iTunes. So I'll leave that to your imagination. But the point being, I was wandering around the forums for two reasons. Uh, One, this poor connection. And um, two, I'd received an ominously titled email warning of a dire security issue, which was fine. But the body of this email was blank. So I knew it was from B and I knew it was something serious, uh, but I had no idea what. So onto the forum I went. And... um, It wasn't just me. I wasn't the only one who got the blank email and it wasn't just me who had a poor connection either. Uh, They just didn't seem to be doing too much about it via the forum. But um, the second point, this email, um, they they have recently had a makeover on their site and it can only be described by anybody over the age of 10 as absolutely atrocious. It's appalling. Um, But worse, it doesn't work well either. So, for instance, I can't at the moment get a legal VAT receipt, um, but that's a different story again. So I found this thread about the the blank security warning email and uh, people were asking what it was all about, what the actual problem was. And um, it went on for pages and pages. But one person on there just posted something that I thought was absolutely brilliant. And they said, "Um, I got that email, too, and mine was blank. I thought I'd been blinded by looking at the website." And I laughed out loud at that. I just it gave me a laugh during a somewhat fraught time. <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah. Talking of
1: a, a good laugh. I've got one for you. Uh, inbox, inbox, inbox. Go on. A few weeks ago, uh, I think I mentioned a problem that I had with my mail. I've got my mail set up as IMAP. And one day I noticed that inside my inbox folder was another inbox folder that contained another inbox folder.
0: I'm liking this so yep. far. Not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, my sent items, my drafts and my trash were actually inside this lowest level inbox folder, And this structure was replicated on the phone. Um, and the two highest inboxes were actually not clickable or well, touchable on the phone. Uh, and in mail app and also on my host's webmail, So the whole thing was replicated across all the ways that I access it. And I thought I'd sorted it out. I I did give a long spiel a few weeks ago on the podcast and it actually manifested itself again this week. So what I did, I took drastic action, scorched earth, and I moved all my sent items to my local on my Mac folder. My inbox was already empty because I like practicing inbox zero. And so I deleted and recreated the mail account from scratch. And I thought I'll try and find out what this what this whole thing's about. Much googling followed, and it turns out it's actually a common problem, and it's not just limited to SiteGround where I have my mail hosted. Now it has been okay since I recreated my account TouchWood, but uh, I am half expecting that any time now I will look at my phone and I will have inbox 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 again. So uh, watch this space, I think. I'm
0: sure you're going to, you know, and um, I haven't got um, inbox zero either. It was the week's holiday that did it, plus the Snow Leopard installs. And uh, what I I was doing was in between Snow Leopard installs, mail was downloading and um, I kept putting it into temporary folders. So if anybody's waiting for a reply from me, I'm sort of on it some point this week trying to sort the mess out. (laughs) This is why I need inbox zero. I'm completely lost without it. Command A, shift delete. Which would work greatly, but wouldn't help in replies, I don't think. It would No. No.
1: Anyway, on to Snow Leopard issues from this week. You actually had a showstopper before you started, didn't you, on your main machine?
0: Yeah, I think this time last week we'd only do... Well, I certainly hadn't done my main machine because I didn't get done till midweek. Um, so the machines I'd done, although I had backed them up, I'd been very diligent with myself. Um, It wasn't the ones that... It wasn't the one I knew was going to give me the biggest problem. Um, So don't get me going on activated software. Obviously, with the lack of an internet connection, certainly a stable one, I couldn't deactivate said activated software. So I was sat there ready to go, uh, disc in hand, and uh, I couldn't deactivate. So uh, I started looking and thinking, what actually is activated here? And there wasn't much, but it was the stuff that I wouldn't have bought. Uh, because I don't like activated software full stop. Um, So it was the stuff that I wouldn't have bought if I didn't need it. So it was the important stuff. So Creative Suite 4 was activated. Um, I needed to deactivate my iTunes account. Uh, ScreenFlow is activated as well. And I've got a small utility thing called Spiral Bound Pro. And that was activated and um, I couldn't do a thing with them. To be honest, halfway through Wednesday, it became a moot point anyway. Client urgently needed a site update. On-site visit required. One of your colleagues ringing you, asking for assistance with the internet. So um, you get the idea of what holidays are like at MacBytes HQ. Isn't that called a busman's holiday? Yes. Yes, it was indeed some <laughs> holiday, wasn't it? But uh, luckily, we do have a secondary connection. So uh, once all that was dealt with, about 11 o'clock at night... I really should have left it till the next day. But um, I thought, well, (laughs) while I've got an Internet connection, Uh, I did manage to get started with this major rebuild. And um, one day I'm sure it's going to be somewhere near finished. Incidentally, with Creative Suite four, I had it installed in 17 minutes, which was blindingly fast and amazingly much faster than I recall from my previous installs of it. Although I do have four gig of memory now, I double the memory. So maybe that had something to do with it. So there I was thrilled, ready to go. And um, I thought i will just update this, uh, the whole suite, obviously. And had to download a few updates over a gig of updates. So thanks for that, Adobe. Uh, What I think we really need is a combo update because I've got the same thing to do next week on the MacBook Pro.
1: Yeah, I thought I'd updated the whole suite, but um, earlier on today when you mentioned it and it only had done half of it, it it downloaded a whole more stuff.
0: The trick is to use the updater. There is um, an application called the Adobe updater application and uh, you need to run that and then check for updates. Now, that was another point because I ran the updater and the updater needed to check for updates to the updater and update before it could update if you're still following me.
1: Yeah, I'm just about
0: following. That's you. exactly what the dialog um, box said as well. It needed to update the updater to update before it could update the updates.
1: One thing that really annoys me with the Adobe updater is you have to close Safari.
0: That gets me every single time. I don't think it complains about other browsers, but it does complain about Safari.
1: No, I think it is only. I think it is only Safari. Um, I don't think it complains about Internet Explorer either because I, I remember updating it at work not long ago and I still had uh, IE open.
0: So it's just so far it's got a vendetta against it. It does drive me mad because when it once it's downloaded all these updates and obviously over a gig of them and I think there's 17 applications in the suite. Um, It installs them one after the other. So it's not a simple case of uh, you can have it open while it downloads. But once it starts installing, that's it. And it takes quite some time to install 17 updates. So uh, you're sat there with browserless unless you've got a spare, obviously. And it wasn't just me this week having fun with that, was it? Who was playing ITV Whack-A-Mole? Oh, yes. Whack-A-Mole takes me back to my days on Blackpool Pleasure
1: Beach. (laughs) Oh, your wild youth. Mm. We were actually doing an over the top upgrade uh, for Snow Leopard on your dad's iMac, weren't we? And yeah. version 3 of the ITV software was installed, but not a Snow Leopard compatible version. And the ITV was set to open the live TV window uh, when the application opens. So every time it opened, it crashed before I could click on the update button in the dialog box to download the latest
0: version. And you did try several times. It was most entertaining (laughs) watching. (laughs) Well, obviously, the thing to do really is update the ITV before starting the Snow Leopard upgrade. But then, why do things the easy way, eh? Exactly. But you came up with a great suggestion to fix it, didn't you? Yes, and it was so simple. Just unplug the ITV device. If it's not present, um, the software cannot open a live TV window. And that gives you the opportunity to download the latest version. But, um... It was more fun watching you trying to catch the dialogue box as it whizzed past, to be honest. (laughs) And uh, we heard from Steve this week as well, um, who had some upgrade issues with the ITV. Um, He was running version two, which isn't supported at all. So contacted support, uh, bought version three and then couldn't find the version two serial number. And you do need that to install version three. Um, Hey, comes to the best of us, Steve. So uh, went back to support who sorted him out. And uh, all those communications only took three days over a weekend. And Steve says he thought that was excellent, uh, although he's thankful it wasn't his main TV source, which is our problem, because it is. So uh, he'd like to say big thanks to Elgato and their support team, uh, who've been excellent and very polite. So I'm thrilled to hear that because um, I've got my own ITV issues sadly still ongoing. It's nothing major, um, just an annoyance, really, but... On one of my ITV hybrid devices, the channel numbers are completely wrong and it just will not cooperate at all Um, with any of my extreme hacking. I've been uh, extremely hacking the system files to force these channels into the correct order and it's not having it. You
1: did try the interface, didn't you, before your extreme hacking? Obviously. Sounds like you're hacked off. (laughs)
0: Oh, very funny.
1: (laughs) Wouldn't be the first time that extreme hacking came before the obvious, though, would
0: it? No, you're just trying to spoil my fun again now. Mm, Aren't I always? Back
1: on the subject of Elgato, I've got the Turbo 264, not the new uh, HD version, uh, but the older one, which I use primarily to convert ITV recordings to uh, M4Vs. And I was actually concerned whether or not it would work under Snow Leopard, but uh, you'd actually read it was okay.
0: So is this if it didn't work, you're blaming me? Uh, I'm saying nothing.
1: Anyway, I converted two episodes of The Wire and the previous episodes that I've converted were around the 480 meg mark for the M4V. So I knew the sort of size I was looking for. Uh, the first one I converted was actually 480 meg and the second one was 504 meg, which, OK, it's still within the ballpark, but the actual program was about 30 seconds short than the first one, so go figure, explain that one if you can. Now, the Elgato Turbo is actually supposed to take the processing power away from the main processor, but to be honest, I'm a bit dubious. It seemed OK at first, not with Snow Leopard, but when I actually first bought it and I'm going back about um, a year. I actually bought it the same day as I bought the iPhone uh, when we were sitting in the Apple store for what six hours.
0: Yeah, I'm not likely to forget no. that, am I?
1: But uh, when I'm actually converting programs, some of the weaker channels are unavailable on my ITV. And also one of our friends, Pat, did question whether the Turbo HD was using its own presser, processor processor um, and he was running some tests.
0: Yeah, talking to Pat, believe you're back in dark, Pat. So uh, get well soon. We look forward to Twittering with you.
1: We certainly do. This week, I upgraded my iMac, having done the laptop last week. And again, I did a scorched earth, even though I'd only rebuilt it in April. The rebuild went well. Um, it was just time consuming reinstalling all the apps. Um, not all the apps are installed yet, but enough to make the machine usable. You know, the great thing about the Mac is that for most apps, they can actually be reinstalled within a couple of minutes. Yeah, as long as you can find your serial numbers. True. Um, And as long as you back up your scripts, your iTunes scripts. Oh, yes. Who didn't back up his iTunes scripts? I did, actually, because I have them backed up on my external backup, but I didn't have them backed up from where they normally live. I will hold admit it. You forgot. I did. Yes, you forgot. Making excuses there.
0: Um, I had very few that needed a reboot. Um, One of the main ones uh, was Steermouse, which is my mouse driver. And that did need a reboot. And I think iLife did as well. But apart from that, not too bad at all. I don't remember too many reboots. No,
1: that's what I'd like about the Mac. As I say, not just uh, the the speed of it, but you don't have to do 16 million reboots.
0: I did notice, though, when I was installing software and I'd installed quite a bit of software by this stage, um, I was trying to do something. Uh, this was this demanding client and I needed my font manager. So I downloaded the latest version, made sure it was uh, Snow Leopard compatible, double click the DMG, opened a window and um, there it was. And I thought, oh, that's not right. Um, You know, you see with a DMG like... Um, pretty window Uh, usually has big icons on it and then um, a shortcut to your applications folder could see the applications folder okay but there was no icon for the actual application so i assumed there was something wrong with the dmg trashed it downloaded it again Uh, exactly the same and uh, i passed it over to you to have a look at didn't i you did and it will look fine on yours. So I tried it again on mine and no, there was actually no icon showing. Um, But what you could do, you could click on this blank space where I could see from yours that the icon should be. And I could actually drag and drop this invisible file and install it. And once it got to the applications folder, it had an icon so that was very very strange and um cured itself i noticed i had other icons missing at that point and that cured itself with a reboot so although you're you're not forced to reboot i think when you're installing um it's probably a good idea after every 10 20 applications or so um but there were a few people who um did have problems with various things and i think the one i heard most about was iTunes um people reloading music in
1: yeah, my iTunes work like a dream because all my music and stuff is on an external drive. The control files are in my home folder, which I uh, automatically copy across, uh, copy it as a backup with ChronoSync. So I actually just copy the control files across from the backup to the new home folder and job done
0: that's exactly what i do um i've moved mine several times for various reasons and i've never had any problems uh, way back in the beginning my itunes library was actually on a windows machine and now uh, when i came to take it across to the mac the music wouldn't have been a problem anyway you can drag that in and you can delete the whole thing if you like um, and then just drag the music back in and you're good to go again i was concerned about the podcasts so um i got very convoluted and complicated via hacking the XML file and running a grep against it. And what that allowed me to do, obviously, I had Windows paths in there and I, it was really opening it up in a very powerful text editor and doing an advanced search and replace to change the path. And that worked great for me back then. So even moving cross platform, I had no problems at all. Um, so I'd always have my music on an external drive. So um, it does mean when you do that, that you have to back up two completely different things. There's the folder set with your music in on the external drive. And then there's another backup you need to do of your control files, which uh, I leave in their default location on the basis. It's probably faster to leave them on your, the boot disk. Um, but actually, it can make the backup easier because if you've not changed any of the music files or the podcasts, Um, but you have maybe changed applications or um, played some files, then the backup can be quicker because you only have to back up the control files. So um, it can actually be faster as well. Yeah, one thing that did
1: annoy me, when I synced my iPhone, it came up with a message that said it couldn't copy some items across as I wasn't authorised to play them. And it turned out these were some uh, audiobooks from Audible because I deactivated my Audible account before I wiped the machine. And on iTunes, on the menu, there is a deactivate Audible command, but there is no activate command. So what I had to do was start playing one of the files in iTunes. It then asked me to log into Audible and that fixed it.
0: Yeah, I did the same thing, playing a file uh, and then prompted. It's not perfect, but that's DRM for you. And the other thing with that was you could really do with remembering um, that you need to activate your Audible account before you synchronise your phone. Um, I have more audiobooks on there than I do music. And I certainly wouldn't want them all deleting, which um, it did for you, didn't it? It did, yes. So uh, I I would have to have remembered to play the file first and then synchronise and I'd be fine because I would have activated the account. But um, luckily you acted as a reminder for me for that. So I didn't synchronise until I'd activated it. And uh, you were my guinea pig. Oh, I'm good for something. Nice to know, isn't it? Anyway, having spent a lot of time in the finder this week, I did find an annoyance. And uh, I thought it was me at first, but uh, it's not. You'll be, you'll be pleased to know it's definitely not me. Uh, what I used to do, um, with Finder windows, I always had the Finder window slightly wider. Um, I always use List view, and I have the, the Finder window slightly wider than the columns. So I've got a little bit of a gap on the right-hand side. And what I'd do was I'd right-click there to create a new folder. And what's happening now is it doesn't matter how wide I have the Finder window. Um, It's as if the the selecting a file goes right the way across and there's nowhere on the right hand side that I can click anymore and get the correct menu for me, which allows me to create a new folder. Now, if there's only a few files in the folder and you've got space underneath that's blank, then you can right click there and do it. But if you have more files in the finder window, um, then you can stretch the finder window out to then there's no way to do it at all. So that was, I kept doing it this week. I've been repeatedly doing that. Uh, there is an option from the menu and you can, um. there's also a toolbar button, uh, which is there. I think it's the cog by default. And you can even add another one, which is um, a folder icon with a plus on it. I don't particularly want to add a button to it because the way my mind works, I'm still I'm still right clicking. Right clicking enables me to choose exactly where it goes. So that that was a bit of a disappointment for me. I don't know if you found that one. I didn't find that myself, um, but
1: when you showed it to me, yeah, I I can see exactly what you're saying, but I think I normally do
0: a new folder from the menu anyway. There is a shortcut for it, but I've got so many different shortcuts flying through my mind. I can honestly say that wasn't one I'd committed to memory, but I think it's going to have to become one that I commit to memory. Once I remember to stop right clicking.
1: Talking of the finder, a couple of things that I spotted. Uh, If you move or copy a file and look at the file name on the target drive whilst it's being moved or copied. So you probably have to do this with the largest file uh, to see it. The file name is grey until the copy or move is complete. Now, I think that's new. If it's not, I'm sure someone will correct me, but I don't remember that happening before. Also last week I mentioned the trash now has a put back command which allows you to not only undelete a file but put it back to the folder it was deleted from. So last night I opened up the trash and I noticed there was a few files in there. Now I know I could have just used the uh, empty the trash command but I chose to select the files and press command and space and suddenly six files appeared on my desktop and I then realised that command and backspace in the trash is the same as put back. You had files on your desktop. Only temporarily. I use it as a mm. dumping ground and I'm sure I'm not the only one, am I?
0: Don't look at me. I'm, I'm an angel. Mm. An absolute angel. I'm saying nothing. <laughs> well, I noticed um, this, this ghosted look, um, only for me, it was a whole drive. Um, There was a drive in my drive list, in my finder. Um, It was on a machine which had nodded off. Um, It came back to life um, when I moved the mouse, pressed the buttons, etc. But once I had a finder window, there was this drive. All the other drives on the machine were absolutely fine. Just this one drive um, that was sort of dimmed out. So I looked at it and started panicking, thinking it had uh, died a sad death on me. But uh, it came back to life when I double clicked it. Uh, and it then appeared as normal. So I can't say if it's a feature or a bug. It's only happened the once. I've tried it a few times since and I've not seen it again. Um, but maybe somebody can confirm if they've noticed that. Um, and I've also had a few issues with spaces. So maybe it's screen updates. Um, I've got it configured. So I use control and one, two, three and four to navigate directly to a space. And what's happening is um, I'm navigating to a space and you get an icon on the screen, that, that big chunky icon at the bottom, which um, if you've got four spaces, has four spaces in it and a white box. It should show for a few seconds as you move from space to space. But what's happening is um, it seems to be getting stuck and I cannot move it without moving to another space and then back to that space. So that seems to kick start it. Um, I don't know if it's coincidence. Maybe space three is paranoid. Seems to happen more in space three than any other. So uh, that's really annoying. That one just just an annoying one. I also mentioned a few shows ago about having Stuffit Expander installed for the ability to quick look zip files, and that I found that really useful. And uh, that's really the only reason that I have Stuffit Expander installed. Well, that and the pretty icons, which you've already ribbed me about, which does not need mentioning again. I'm not saying a thing. So, Good. So I downloaded uh, the latest version of stuff. It made sure it was compatible, installed it. And uh, much later on, after I'd um, configured it all correctly. So I know I've done that right. um, I pressed the space bar to uh, see the contents of a zip file and didn't get that option at all. So maybe it wasn't stuff it or maybe it's not working in uh, Leopard. Is it working for you, Snow Leopard? No, I had
1: no luck with it either. I couldn't get it to work.
0: The only other thing I had installed that could have had anything at all to do with zip files was iArchiver. And I know that you had problems with that.
1: Yeah, it's that didn't seem to work at all for me. So I tried it. I uh, zapped it in the end.
0: Well, I don't think it was iArchiver that gave me the ability to quick look. So uh, I think I'm going to have to go and find that alternative um, free zip viewer and hope that that works. Although I have heard from what I've read and uh, my checking for compatibilities that there are a few quick look plugins that are broken. So um, I can't see inside my zip files at the moment. And it's amazing how quickly you come to rely on that quick look, even for things like zip files. And another thing that I found wasn't stable, like you found iArchiver, um, is expand drive. Um, There is a version out that's uh, supposedly Snow Leopard compatible and it does seem to work, but it's the stability that I've got that's a problem. Um, It seems to lose the connection to the remote drive to such an extent that I've had to completely change my workflow to work around it for the moment. Um, What that did give me was the chance to test uh, some software that I got in a bundle called Espresso Um, and I'd I'd installed it, had a quick look at it and thought, hmm, You know, I need to take more time with that. So uh, I did just that this week in my holiday in inverted commas. And um, I'm really excited about Espresso. It's got some really good features that I was very impressed with. Sadly, though, there were some niggles too. And although they were only sort of minor annoyances, since they have got the difficult stuff right, it's a shame that the simple things are either much more difficult or much more time consuming than they need to be. And some of them just aren't doable at all. So um, more of that on a future episode, I think, when I've had more of a chance to break it. Thank you. Well, I was going to say test it further, but. You could be right, I guess. (laughs) I did, however, have much more luck with Dropbox, um, despite using a beta version. And I'm using this beta version because it's got local land syncing capabilities.
1: Yeah, I had no problems with it. uh, But then I've only got a few files in there at the moment.
0: Well, I cheated. I copied the whole Dropbox folder from uh, another machine locally and then installed Dropbox. Cheat, 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 cheat. Yeah. Why didn't I think of that? Well, time was of the essence after the one gig download of updates from Adobe and the dodgy B connection. So um, that's why I did it. I vaguely remember doing it before and um, it's it's worthwhile even if you've only got the two gig free account. But I can imagine the time it would take if you've got the 50 gig and it's half full. So uh, that's a good tip. It works very well. It does say uh, there's already a Dropbox folder in this location. Do you want to merge it? And you can safely say yes to that as long as it's the same. Obviously, make sure it's up to date. I said yes. It then went away did a comparison and said you're up to date and it didn't take any time at all yeah good tip last
1: week we reported that pth pasteboard was not snow leopard compatible and the authors of this great clipboard manager had actually removed all the content from their website except for a message that said pth pasteboard was no longer for sale due to issues with snow leopard anyway the good news is it's back and it's snowy compatible
0: yeah, as I said, I was only using that for one thing, which was um, a global uh, plain text copy uh, paste, not a copy, a paste. Um, and there is a difference between the two. Um, if you copy as plain text, then you can never paste it back in as formatted. And what I wanted to do was have the ability to paste it back in either formatted or as plain text. And uh, that's what PTH Pasteboard gave me. It was the pro version, not the free version. Um The Pro version has uh, sort of text handling capabilities in uh, where you can uh, sort of run macros on text, really. And um, that's what I used it for. But I didn't use it as my main clipboard. And uh, I've completely switched to Launch Bar this week. I've given it a sort of stress test and it's working very well and it's giving me all the options that I want. So I think I'm going to stick with that a little bit longer before I start putting other applications on. Obviously, the fewer applications I've got running the faster the machine should be so well. That's what I'm doing. Have you tried the one in launch bar? Yeah,
1: I did. I tried the one in launch bar, set it all up. It works great. Uh, but I also put PTH Pasteboard on my iMac as well, just to test it out for the listeners, of course. And they're both working at the same time. I tested it by uh, doing a copy and then disabling PTH Pasteboard, pasting from launch bar, and then going back into PTH Pasteboard, pasting from there. Uh, and they're both, they're both grabbing the stuff from the, the, the copy, as it were.
0: Yeah, I've, as I say, I've run two before and uh, that's exactly what I do. I've not found two that aren't compatible with each other so far. And uh, I just had one running to do one specific thing with. Um, I was actually keener on one of the others, but uh, launch bar's working pretty well. Uh, It's working better than I expected. I did try it in a very early beta and um, it, it wasn't playing nicely with what I already had. That's why I turned it off. But uh, I'm finding that that uh, alone at the moment is uh, working nicely. And uh, it's good. It's good when software plays nicely together, because uh, I found one this week that isn't playing nicely at all. In fact, I, I we mentioned this last week. We mentioned Typeinator and we wondered what would happen with the built in text expansion and auto correction. Yeah, we did, didn't we? Yes, last week I said um, that I use Typeinator and although uh, some of the options are now built in for auto corrections that I couldn't see myself changing, although I have seen people writing pieces and saying, well, you don't need a third party one now. So I said I would do a bit of testing with it and see what happened um, if there was two auto corrects in there and which one would take precedence, etc. And I did. I stress tested it this week and I can honestly say that the built in options. Oh, boy, were they slow. And there's one in there for a copyright symbol and a registered trademark symbol. So uh, I started off with that one and what I did to test which one was working, which one caught the uh, shortcut first was I had the built in one change it to a small copyright symbol and I had type in A to change it to um, a html entity so really to test it if you want to try it for yourself just have the inbuilt one changing it to one thing and whatever your text expander of choice is doing it to something else and i found that typeinator got there first every single time with typeinator it was instantaneous you you barely lifted your finger off the key and it had changed it to um, what you got it configured to When I tried it on the built-in one where it had nothing to uh, fight over, so it just had itself there uh, like the registered trademark one, it does take, it looks like a long time. Uh, It's probably less than a second, maybe a second. But when you're looking at it, it does stay on screen for quite some time. So if you're putting things in there to sort of auto correct, I could well see that a fast typist is typing that fast that you've sort of gone past it. Um, and I've had problems in the past when I'm typing very fast and I've used other text expansion programs. If I type too fast, it does put the correction in, but it sort of mixes your sentence up because it's it starts to put the correction in maybe five or 10 characters into the next text that you're typing. Yeah, you I've, get what had I mean. I've had that before. And I look at it and I think what's gone on there. And when I look back, I can see I've got a correction bang in the middle of another word. And it's obviously because I've been moving too fast or it can't correct it fast enough. And I would say the built in one that was a problem. The time it took the other problem with the built in one, um, it doesn't work in all the applications. It's got to be double enabled sometimes. And um, I was certainly having problems in browsers, um, enabling it for text fields in comment forms. Um, And it wasn't working at all in some applications as well. I couldn't get it working in Safari. Um, No, not Safari. Safari, I could get it working, but I couldn't get it working in Opera at all. So um, I'm definitely sticking sticking with Typeinator. And uh, I'm going to disable some of those things as well because they are enabled by default. And um, I don't want that kicking in halfway through a paragraph. Or maybe I need to slow down my typing. But uh, that's what I found anyway. And I did find that the latest version of Typinator, which was uh, I think it was 3.5, came out a couple of months ago. Um, It was the last free version for people who got it from uh, the Mac Heist bundle. And they changed the engine in it. And it was a lot, lot faster. It was noticeably faster. And um, it's still as fast under Snow Leopard. And it's a lot faster than the built in one so um, that's my my short take on that I've not done any scientific timings but I can tell you it, it is um, noticeably slower and another application that was reported not to work with Snow Leopard was Quicksilver um, but I downloaded the latest version from Blacktree and it's working fine on my dad's iMac Now, I think the reason is there's no plugins. There's nothing fancy at all. In fact, he doesn't use it. He doesn't know it's there, which is the best way to have it, I find, Um, especially if I'm doing the support. It's literally only there because when you or I have got to deal with something on his Mac, what are we like? Yeah, the number of times I've done command and spacebar, control and spacebar, uh, even on a Windows machine. (laughs) I know you do it on a Windows machine, but if I sit there in front of a Mac, I'm like, apps, apps, remind me again, apps, how do I run apps? So uh, it just takes a lot, lot longer, doesn't it? You're constantly bringing up the um, applications folder with the command shift and A. So that's why it's on there. But I think it's the lack of plugins. The only plugin that is installed is the address book one and uh, it's working fine. So uh, sad day, I think it's the plugins that are the problem. And uh, if you are relying on those, it is indeed a sad day um, because I don't think they're developing them anymore, are they? You could have big problems with that. I don't think so.
1: So why not try LaunchBar as we did?
0: Yes, but the thing with LaunchBar is, which is why it's Quicksilver on my father's, um, it's not a free application. So it's very, very good. It's very fast and I'm happy to pay for it. Um, But my father doesn't have a licence, which is why he's got Quicksilver. But as I say, it's fine if all you want to do is run applications with it. And uh, I suppose what we could do on his machine is use Spotlight. But I find Spotlight for doing that quite slow very slow and when you use the arrow keys to move up and down and find the application you want because it's still reading in um, search results you're liable to to miss the app and then press enter on the wrong thing and run something totally different so um, I'll still put Quicksilver on his machine I know we said we were going to try the Google one and um, I have tried the Google one several times and I'm still finding that a bit slow so uh, I'm sticking with Quicksilver while it's still running (laughs) So uh, that's how far I've got with that. But I think it's the plugins that are the problem rather than Quicksilver itself. And uh, that wasn't the only fun we had with my father's machine, was it? Um, His is the only install that's an over the top that's a keeper. Uh, We both did an over the top in store for our first install, uh, but we always intended to rebuild those laptops completely. Um, So his is the only one that gets an over the top and that's it. And it's actually gone from tiger to leopard and from leopard now to snow leopard. So um, and it's not running too bad considering that the only thing that was a major, major nightmare was Parallels 2 that he was running. And uh, we did find that in the unsupported software folder, not the actual application itself. But once we'd done the over the top, there was an unsupported software folder and uh, it wasn't the whole app. It was just the kernel extensions that weren't compatible that got moved there. And that was when the fun really started. Um, Obviously, it We'd, we'd backed up to, uh, we'd super duper the whole machine. We'd also backed up some selected files. And one of the things that re- is really important for him is the parallels image. So we'd back that up separately. We do have um, version four for him. And the reason that we'd, uh, fancy buying it, not installing it. It was a case of it wasn't broken. So I wasn't about to try fixing it. So uh, we installed his new version and we activated it for him. More activated software. Remind me to spit on that. And um, then it got from bad to worse, didn't it? Install was okay, uh, but it then needed to upgrade the virtual machine. So it wanted to make another copy of it. So I think we've got about five copies of this machine at this point. Uh, So the upgrade went okay. Uh, It said it had done it, didn't fail at any point. Uh, Took its time, probably took about 15, 20 minutes. Do you reckon? Yeah, I think that was about right. The thing was, um, when it started running it, it did all sorts of things. The first thing was uh, it ran then it said it needed to reboot. Then it ran it again and it then put up a message and it said, um, I'm going to reconfigure the shared folders and remap them with your Mac. And I thought you're going to do what
1: a bit dodgy,
0: um, diabolically dodgy. Basically, it was telling me that my documents on Windows was going to be remapped to my documents folder on the Mac. Um, and my music folder would be remapped here and this folder would be remapped there. I think it was my my pictures folder would be remapped. I don't want that at all. It's a really nice feature for somebody who has the need to run Windows and wants the thing as integrated as possible with their Mac. But for me, I want Windows running in a box, preferably with the lid nailed on. Uh, And that's it. I don't want any way that anything that could get into Windows... Uh, can find its way to the Mac. So I wanted to stop it doing that. And there wasn't a stop it button, was there? There was no no. get out of jail free card. There was no nothing. There was no way to stop it. So I think we pulled the plug at that point, didn't we? Yeah, it was the only safe thing to do, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, because we needed to find out where these options were. Obviously, the options had to be there somewhere or so I told myself. The other thing that was... uh, majorly scared the life out of me was when uh, the original version was still there and it it could find the machines and it did upgrade it rather than um, we didn't nuke it. We didn't app zap parallels. So it found the original installation. And instead of using all the settings that we would painstakingly set up, no, it didn't. So when it ran this machine and we'd finally beaten it into submission about not mapping these folders, which were in a hideous place, um, everything used to be configured just by flipping the machine round and um, it was all sectioned off neatly. And now it's not. We really had to delve to find these options in the preferences for the virtual machine. But then when we actually got the thing up and running, it wasn't running um in its what I'd call it sandboxed mode. It was running in coherence mode. So across the bottom, um, we had not that the, uh, just above the dock. It was we had. Um, what do you call that thing? Windows taskbar. That's the one. Yes, that thing, the ugly grey thing. So long since I've seen it, thank the Lord. Um, It was just floating there and I thought, oh, no, it's running in coherence mode. And again, it wasn't logical nor easy to tell it not to run in coherence mode. I think the options in version two and three of Parallels were far clearer than this version four. Version four's sole... Purpose seems to be to integrate as closely as possible with your Mac, which, like I say, is fine if if you want it to do that. But I think if you're doing an upgrade, at least leave the settings the way they were, because otherwise you assume looking at it, that's the only way it works. And there's no way to get it back into its box. But uh, luckily we managed it, didn't we? We
1: did indeed. And talking about Parallels, last week I mentioned that Parallels 5 was out. Well, I've got to admit that was a bit premature because Parallels 4 is still the latest version.
0: I thought that when you said it, but I thought, well, what do I know about Parallels? I've not touched it for a while. So um, you were indeed considerably premature by the look of it. I don't think 4's been out that long.
1: No, I don't think it has.
0: Ah, well. Anyway, few little other issues uh, with Snow Leopard to wrap it up. Um, I've spent the week without Saft, which is a Safari plugin that I rely on heavily. And it's not been a good week, has it, with me cursing? No, the air's been blue. Well, I thought I relied on it for a lot more, actually. But I did it as, as I've been living without it. I got it down to three essential things it does that I now know I can't live without, which I could probably have told you last weekend without the agony of the week, but here goes. Um, SAFT saves my sessions when I close Safari. So whether I have multiple tabs open in one window or multiple windows with multiple tabs or single tabs, it saves the lot. Um, An extension to that is if it crashes, SAFT has crash protection as well, which I believe it's supposed to have itself built in now. But uh, that saved sessions is my number one requirement. The second thing I've missed this week is an ad blocker. Um, I've been to sites that I frequent quite frequently um, and noticed there's adverts on these sites that I had never seen before. And uh, that's because I do have the SAFT ad blocker turned on. And the third thing I didn't notice straight away Um, but I do have a few, very few, very select bookmarks. I don't use bookmarks too much, but those that I do use, I have them in the bookmark bar in folders and uh, I've always had the option to add bookmark here. So I click a folder on the bookmarks bar. It opens out and at the bottom, I have three options and one of them is to add a bookmark here and uh, I opened up a bookmarks folder and there was only one option. And that wasn't the one I wanted. It was um, open all these bookmarks. And I thought, where's the other? Oh, it's Saft. And the other two options in there were Saft. One is, as I say, to add a bookmark. And the other one is to sort the bookmarks. Now, you'd really think with all the improvements that they have put in Safari, they could manage to put those two in there as well. But no. So um, those were the things that I found missing in Saft. But as I'm cursing and cursing, um. Twelve has just come out. Version 12 of Saft, Snow Leopard compliant, has literally just been released as we started recording. So my surfing world is now complete as I purchased it straight away. Actually, even before I downloaded it, I think. But I'm just crazy. What I had done while I was waiting for this was I'd taken to using Opera, which um, is new version 10 out within the last week or so. And I was using that just for the save sessions option and um, it's nice, but the interface just doesn't feel right on a Mac and the killer for everyday uses, there's no support for one password. But because I was using Opera to save my sessions, I did take the opportunity to uh, create a new service to send a page from Safari to Opera. And uh, I whipped into the preferences and assigned a shortcut key to it as well. So um, a deeper look at the services is definitely now on my to-do list because um, it was uh, like adding a new feature to the software. So I definitely want to take another look at that.
1: Yeah, uh, I think we should actually look at the services as... uh a thing on the podcast at some future episode. It's something I'd like to uh, learn more about when I get some time.
0: Oh, Nisi, did you have to add when I get some time? <laughs> yeah. Yes. No, it's going to be something that we definitely look at. We will. We will. I'll it's look. going to be a priority that because I, th- I think I could um, hone my workflow with that. Uh, something else I noticed was the uh, synchronisation with mobile me alerts. And we talked about this. I said I was getting um, a message to say that I had more than 5% of my data changed on MobileMe and what did I want to do. And as soon as I got that message, um, what I found was that the uh, synchronization had stopped. So uh, it wasn't synchronizing with MobileMe. And I said it happened a lot on my laptop when I have it in another room. And Stargate John told us that um, it's actually in the iSync. Is it iSync? I think it's iSync, wasn't it? I think it is Um, iSync in the preferences. And indeed it was. So I was able to turn it off, which also caused me other grief with something else. But that that was uh, nothing to do with the initial problem. Anyway, it's now being moved and it's now in the mobile me preferences. And the default is now 25 percent of data rather than five percent of data. Yeah, that's good news for you, isn't it? Because uh, as you say, you've seen that message a lot lately. Um, I have. It drives me mad because I've been testing BusyCal and I do change over 5%. So maybe 25% is more realistic. We shall see. Uh, if I get a message saying I've changed more than 25%, maybe I should just worry and have done with it. As I mentioned last week, I'd set up my windows to minimise to the icon in preferences. And uh, I had a couple of issues this week uh, trying to activate a specific window. I think the the main problem was knowing that there were windows there at all. Um, I think it was Safari in particular. I had some windows that were just on my desktop. I had some that were minimized to the icon when what I really wanted to do was have an option to restore all windows. And that way I could sort my tabs out in Safari and I couldn't find the option. I had to bring those windows back one at a time. So uh, that would have been a really handy option. I hope they had that one in the future. I also noticed that command and tab still only activates the app. Now, sometimes it seems to bring a window back and sometimes it doesn't. I think it depends on the app. But um, in my testing, I was sure it had brought a window back. But when I tried it subsequently, no, it didn't. So command and tab is still only activating the app. So that doesn't let you select the window. Um, luckily for me, something that I used to use is still working under Snow Leopard. And that's a handy utility called Witch uh, that I think we have mentioned before. And that allows me to um, really restore the functionality that I had in Windows, where a, a command and tab or in Windows, an alt and tab, uh, I can actually bring back various windows as well. And I have that configured in two ways. As well as command and tab, I've set up which to use alt and tab, you know, the option key and tab. And what I can do there is I get a totally different um, list of windows and it actually has the text next to it so i can not only select an application but i can select a specific window within an application and i find that a great time saver the other thing though because command and tab um, I've left it alone. I've left it set to the default, although I could overwrite that with which I haven't done because I don't have it on all my Macs. So I do often find that I use command and tab. And what I have set up is um, option and another key, the key next to the to the left of the Z key. And I have that. Um, toggling between all the available windows of the current application. So if I do inadvertently use command and tab and it doesn't activate the window I want, I do have another key to do that rather than go back to the mouse. So I can highly recommend which I know I
1: should be using which. But my problem is I struggle to remember all those keyboard shortcuts, but uh probably because I'm on Windows all day and then I come to the Mac at night. Uh, but then I've seen you struggle with Windows shortcuts, so you can't exactly laugh at me, can you?
0: No, I'm afraid I'm a little bit like a newborn kitten on Windows at the moment, aren't I? I sat down in front of it and looked and thought, go on, remind me again. How do I run an app? So, yes, I agree with you. Um, unless you use the more you use it, the more you get used to it, and the more you use it, the more shortcut keys that you you can seemingly handle. Um, I used to be good with Windows. <sighs> Not to worry. No great loss because um, on the Mac, things just work. And uh, one thing we noticed was our printers didn't need any drivers installing at all. I elected not to install anything from the options in the installer except QuickTime Pro 7. Um, So what I was going to do was then add the printers later and hopefully it would download what it needed. And uh, That's exactly what it did. I expected to be prompted, but uh, no, we've got a brother black and white laser printer and more surprisingly, a Samsung color laser printer. And um, as soon as I said, there's a printer here, look at this, uh, both were installed and configured completely automatically. And um, I was very impressed with that. They're they're not uh, brand new printers. I think they're probably about two years old, Uh, but it was good to see that they're still both supported, which I would expect. Um, But that I didn't actually need the disks that had come with them to uh, install anything. Sadly, other people weren't so lucky. And it seems to be the bigger companies out there lagging behind. I've noticed a lot of people this week reporting problems with Hewlett-Packard printers. They either don't seem to work at all or these multifunction devices, only half the functionality is there. And um, Fujitsu scanners as well. You mentioned that last week and there's been some movement on that front.
1: Yeah, I actually pointed uh, people to a page on the Fujitsu site last week uh, through the show notes and it's vanished. However, uh, if you look at the show notes for last week's show, there is an updated link in its place. And it takes to a PDF that shows what functionality is missing and what functionality is available for their scanners under Snow Leopard.
0: Yeah, I think we've come out of that quite nicely um, because we scan into DevonThink. I think that's the solution for that. Um, everything seems to be working okay. So um, what I really need is an updated beta for DevonThink. I've got no scripts at all in DevonThink at the moment, but at least that initial problem I had with it—it uh, crashed—but it seems to be all right now. So um, yes, it's—it must be very annoying if you've got this scanner on, on what you're trying to do to my mind, is even easier than what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to scan it into an application. If that failed, I'd expect it. But scanning into a folder, that that shouldn't really give you too much grief at all, should it? And um, like I'm saying, it's the bigger companies. They've had plenty of time to test this stuff. Uh, and Logitech are another culprit. I've got an MX Revolution mouse. In fact, I, I've got more than one. I couldn't live without them. And um, the driver apparently is causing problems. Now, I've never used the driver that came with it. I had Steermouse sat there ready and waiting. And uh, luckily, that is still working. It's not 64-bit yet, but at least it works. And um, that was one of the apps that I think I had to put that one on first because I have two of the buttons set up for copy and paste. And what I found was when I'm installing a lot of software, I'm selecting serial numbers and trying to use the buttons to copy. So if I don't have SteerMouse on first, nothing works right. It's another one of those lost without it apps of mine. Another one of those are lost without it apps. There's plenty of them. OK, there's a few of them, but uh, you know, seriously, these companies just don't seem to realise the speed is of the essence for Mac users. Many, many more Mac users upgrade their operating system straight away. I know Windows users probably don't. And I know I never, ever upgraded Windows on a working system for weeks, sometimes months Um I was still using Windows 2000 in 2007, you know. Yeah, well, as most people know, I'm using Windows 2000
1: in 2009 at work. But if it ain't broken.
0: Exactly. And it's great to see new professional grade peripherals, such as those newly announced Canon scanners this week. Uh, They're available for the Mac and that gives potential. But. Pensive business switches, another push in the right direction. You know that the equipment that's out there isn't just small business use or home use. It's actually professional equipment. But all that's wasted if they then don't update the drivers in a timely manner.
1: Yeah, when I used Windows, I just assumed that upgrading the operating system would just break all the
0: devices exactly that's the point and these these companies just don't seem to understand the expectation of a Mac user is that what equipment they've already got will continue to work despite upgrading the OS I mean it's an upgrade not a downgrade I think people accept more that new equipment may not work on old systems you know that they might not have gone back and written a driver for something that's brand new now for Windows 2000 but if what you've got worked on Leopard then I think the general expectation is it should carry on working with very little grief. And um, for those companies that have worked very, very hard to get their drivers up to date and their software up to date, I'd like to say a big public thank you to them. And for the ones that didn't, shame on you. You're an absolute disgrace. So that's another rant for you, is it? Yep.
1: Okay, thank you. Well, thanks for all the feedback we got this week. I'm glad to report that those of you who have upgraded to Snowy, it went well. And a special thanks to you from Amanda for the pre-install checklist.
0: Yep, you're very welcome. Glad it was useful. I shall now add on to that. Back up your (coughs) scripts. Indeed. Anyway, we've got a few events coming up as well Um, on the 10th of September. That's Thursday, the 10th. We have uh, an online event, Photographic Extreme Makeover. So uh, if you've got some photos that you would like extremely made over, please bring them along with you uh, or email them to me this week. And um, you never know, you might feature in the show. And on the 17th of
1: September, we're having a social evening at the Old Pelican Inn on the Sale-Timpley border. We've got people attending from a few of the uh, groups that we run. So as we said last week, I'll be there with a MacBites T-shirt and a red carnation. I was going to say pink carnation, then a red carnation.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, don't say that because you you are going to get people turning up who are looking for you and think, "Mm, yes to the T-shirt, where's the carnation? mm. Anyway, on the week after that, on the twenty-fourth of September, we have another online event where we're looking at screen steps.
1: Yep, yeah, and as always, information can be found on digital-iq.co.uk and macbytes.co.uk.
0: And Dates, dates, I need I need to mention this. Um it's looking like I might have to change a few of the upcoming dates due to unforeseen circumstances. So it's probably a good time to mention that the best way to make sure that you've got the latest dates is to subscribe to the MacBytes Live Calendar. And you can find that at MacBytes.co.uk slash live calendar. Or you can click the live online link on the MacBytes homepage. And now after weeks of anticipation, it is the time to announce the winners of the Busy cow competition. Drumroll. OK, drumroll and info panel. Right. OK, so we've done all that. We've got all that out of the way and now we have two names out of the hat. And our, our winners are, you're right, I need a drumroll. I should download a drumroll. Mind you, show's long enough already. So without further ado, our winners are Derek and Jane. So expect um an email from us this week, and uh, each of you wins two licenses for BusyCal. So um oh thank you thank you um sorry to everybody else who entered and didn't win. I think this competition was probably the most entered that we've ever had. So, sorry to everybody who didn't win, but don't forget there is still the opportunity to buy BusyCal with a nice 20% discount uh, by using the coupon code MACBytes when you get to the purchase page. And that coupon will remain valid until the end of this month. And if you're buying more than one license, you also qualify for a multiple unit discount as well. So you can get the price down really low. And uh, I think I, I'm, I'm upgrading this week and um, I'm really happy with uh, the discounts I've got. So even I will be using our MacBytes code as well. So uh, congratulations, guys, and I hope you enjoy using it. So that's it for this episode of MacBytes. As always, we would love to hear from you. So send your questions, comments, queries to macbytesuk at gmail.com. And we also have a contact form on the website. And I keep saying it, but that is proving really popular. Um, you, you like to talk to us that way. So it's another way that you can let us know what you think. So uh, go to the website, macbytes.co.uk, and uh, just click the contact form. You can keep up to date with what we're doing via the website and on Twitter at twitter.com macbytes. You can also follow me personally on Twitter, twitter.com slash Elaine Giles. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash Thomas Mike. So until next time, this has been Elaine and Mike bringing you MacBytes. Goodbye and see you next time. Goodbye.